And I'm going to introduce a new series uh, of messages today. And um, perhaps I've said this before, but I'm really stoked about this one. All right. I mean, this is going to be the best one yet. All right. So forget all about that one. This one here is going to be the best yet. And what I want to do is I want to dust off an old letter, a very old letter. Anybody ever find an old letter laying around the house? Um, I found one the other day. Um, uh, over the years, I've accumulated a bunch of Bibles, as you do, I guess, as a pastor. And so I had one that was in this big, thick binder. It's leather-bound. It's like a cowboy Bible. And anyway, I, and I found a letter in there that someone wrote to me when my dad died, you know. And you know how things find their places in different spots. And, and there it was, and I pulled it out, and I'm like, oh, man, just, just kind of breathe a different life into me, you know? And uh, the letter I want to pull out and put our attention to for the next about nine weeks is uh, one of Paul's letters, and it's Paul's uh, probably most well-known. It's Paul's longest letter, and most people believe it was his last letter. And I want to dust off something that I think can be um, something very ancient that could have a lot of application to our world today. So a lot of times I think what happens is, you know, when you're growing and you're young and you think you know it all. Anybody been through that stage? Anybody still there? You can point to your husband if he's nearby. Um, you, you're at that stage, and anybody have teenagers? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Like, they wake up, like, one day, and they know everything about everything. And we go through this thing where we, we, as we grow, but, and then when we get in that stage, we start discarding things. Ah, oh, that uh, church, all oh, that Bible, all oh, that, right? And you start throwing, this is all for old people and and. We think we, get, we got new answers somewhere else. And then, typically, although not always, we get a little older in life and we start to cycle back, which is why I always tell you, put, put, the, put the foundation in there. Put the stuff in there anyway, even when they're bristling at it. Just put it in there so they have something to return to because I believe they will. They, they almost always do. Who could say that was true of your life? You walked away from it, then you returned to it. I got time because I've already talked to a lot of you. It's like, yeah, and then, okay, let me go back. and let, let me take a second look. So this is an old letter, and at first glance, um, you could read it. And go, ah, I don't know if there's anything in there. But what I want to propose is that this very ancient letter has incredible relevance for today, 2022. This was probably written in the year A.D. 57. What in the world could a letter that was written 2,000 years ago, how could that ever help us with our modern problems? But perhaps humanity has some patterns. Us humans have patterns of behavior that have not altered that much, and the, the solution to fixing the problems in our world. Everybody puts their hand up to fix the problems in our world, but perhaps the solution 
to fixing the problems in our world have been around for a long time, but maybe we haven't wanted to look. And for a lot of reasons, too. I mean, not everyone's church experience was wonderful. I understand that. Um, so it, it, it got covered and clouded in, in some upbringings, and so it was harder to return to it. Nonetheless, I want to encourage you to give this a fresh hearing. And I'm going to reintroduce some words to you that you've heard probably many times in your life. But today, I'm just simply going to try to reintroduce them to you. Because perhaps this is something that could fix not only the problems in your life, but the problems in our world, which is what I think the message is all about. Um, before we dive deeply in, I'm going to take us through it over the next several weeks. Um, I'm leaving for Rome this week. I'm going to bring back video, right? And I'm going to do some teaching from Rome and inter intersperse it on video with the, the, the series that's coming up so you can get a real sense. These are real people with real problems 2,000 years ago, but they weren't that different in some ways than the things that we face today. So I'm going to fly high today. Think of it this way. Um, think of yourself as a, you're getting ready to, to buy a farm, as you do. And, you know, you buy a farm, but before you buy the farm, you decide instead of walking around, you know, the 300 acres. Um, I remember when I was a real young kid, my dad bought a farm. My dad bought everything, by the way. Just, I, I look back and I'm like, why, why did we own a farm? Because I think he wanted to. And I have a picture of me and my brothers down by the creek. You know, it was, I think my dad needed to get a tractor stuck in something. I think that's why he bought it. Um, we never were really much of farmers, but... Well, you buy a farm, instead of walking, let's say you get a helicopter and you just, you want to see it from a high vantage point. You just want to get the overview, right? You want to, uh, I want to see where do the forest end? Where does the, where does the fertile ground begin? Where are the pastures? Where's the creek? Where's the pond? And if I can today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. It, it could be a little Bible nerdy but I want to overview this book for you. And I just want you to go home and marinate on it and think about it. Perhaps there's something there for us. Um, if you were flying over, you'd see all these little, little gems hidden in the fields. Gems that you've heard many, many times if you've been in church for a while that I call refrigerator verses. Because Romans has a ton of these refrigerator, you know what the refrigerator verses are. Those are the ones that you, the little, the little one-liners that are just too good to ignore. If God is for us, who could be? You know that one. Romans 8, I think 31, if I'm correct. And Romans chapter 8, by the way, when we get there, it's exploding with these. But before all of these little gems explode for us, Paul lays like a foundation um, how do I explain this? We need a foundation. Like, let's say chapter 8 is inspiration. But before you get to the inspiration, the exploding glitter, you've got to have something solid to stand on. We need more foundation building in our society. 
We need that. Foundation is like, here's the truth. Here's how it really works. Now, here's this. In other words, maybe, maybe here's the way I say it. Um, before you get your kids excited about how the radio works in the car, maybe teach them how to drive. Does, does that make sense? The foundation is like, let's, let's learn how all this works, and then we'll play with the radio. How many know most kids want to play with the radio? And what we, we will play with the radio. We're going to get to Romans 8, and, and I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to be smoking. But I just want to put a foundation down. Uh, I guess I should start. Romans. They didn't have chapters and verses back then. It was just a letter. But for your reference, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant. Um, doulos, Greek word meaning slave, actually. A slave of Jesus. He'd seen a lot of slaves in his day. Paul had seen a lot of slaves in his day, and he goes, I'm a slave that's my master. Dang, that's deep right there. I could kind of stop. What if you thought of yourself that way? That's my master. That's the guy that says what to do when and how. Paul, a doulos of Jesus Christ. By the way, Everybody serves somebody, just in case you think you're Mr. Independent. Huh? I mean, just try getting married. No, I mean, just, uh, just think about your life. I mean, I'm dead. I'm dead. I was dead last week. I'm really dead. I have to keep the crowd engaged, I tell her. <laughs> she said she's coming up here next week. Everybody serves something. You do. You have a master. You just don't always name it. There's someone, something that tells you what to do. Anybody ever get too involved in something that was even good? I was doing something good, but I got too involved in it. Get too involved in work, got too involved in this, got too, it started taking over my life, started telling me what to do. Somehow Paul, when he met, when he met Christ, different story, different time, Acts chapter 9, if you haven't he found a new master, a servant of, a, a slave, called to be an apostle. An apostle is one who goes and takes the message out. They take it out. A disciple is one who follows. Both are good. But you really can't run. The apostle runs with the message, but you can't really run with the message if you haven't hung out with the guy. If you haven't done the disciple, it's hard to be the apostle because you don't know what you're talking about. Do some following first. Do some studenting first. And then a sent, apostle literally means sent one, one that is sent. And that's what we're going to be learning about today. He's sent. I followed him. I've learned from him. Now he sent me. He sent me apart for the gospel of God. That's the first verse. He set me apart for the gospel. Let's say the word gospel together. One, two, three. Gospel. Who's heard that word before? Multiple times. We have gospel radio. We have gospel stations. We have gospel music. We have gospel uh, 
jewelry, gospel, gospel, gospel. What does it mean? The next verse says the gospel he promised beforehand. This, right away you're starting to get a, a handle on what this letter is about. It's about the gospel, the gospel. Um, if I can, I want to reintroduce that word to you today. The reason is the word gospel means um, good announcement. Good announcement. We have a good announcement to make. We have a good announcement to make. Some people say good news, which also it, it could be that. But that word gets used, phrase gets used so much that I had to put announcement in there. So you, maybe you could think of it a little. Um, this week the queen, you know, passed. And so they had a special ceremony. I'm not an expert on all things royal, but I did watch uh, a little excerpt. And they, they have a special ceremony to announce the new king. So it's one thing that he kind of becomes king, but there is an announcement that's made. And I forget the official terminology for it, but I watched it. There was a balcony, and there were guys with very cool suits on, and a lot of flags, and a lot of amazing music, and trumpets, and very official-sounding thing. Why? And it didn't just happen in one place. It happened in multiple places. Now Charles is king. I'm making this announcement formally. Charles is now king. I know some of you are like, Chris, could you get to the, the gems? Because I got to get dinner and you, you lost me here. This, Charles is king. There's an official announcement. These kind of things have been going on for a long time. They, they found a stone in Turkey that has an inscription with the word gospel. All right, that's the English word. The Greek word is evangelion, evangelion. And it meant good announcement, good announcement. And it was found not in Rome, but way out in the Roman Empire in, in Turkey. And this is what it said. Um, I'll paraphrase it. You can look it up later. Uh, good news, good news. Caesar Augustus, by God's providence, has come to our has graced us, and he has brought peace on earth, and he is a savior to mankind. 9 B.C., what does B.C. stand for? Before Christ. Where did the word savior come in? With Jesus? No. That was a borrowed term, just like the word gospel is borrowed. Not just borrowed strategically, I think, picked. Because this stuff they found was already circulating years before Jesus, years before Paul writes this letter. Good news, a Savior has been born. In that inscription, do you mind learning just for a minute? Do you mind learning for just, just a minute? I mean, just a minute. In that inscription, they said, Caesar Augustus has been born they're saying by the providence of God to bring peace on earth and to be a savior to mankind that they changed the calendar. It was a, it was a declaration to change the calendar based on his birthday, that, that he's been birthed into this world. Therefore, this is how we, our calendars will now be. So Paul writes this letter. So forget everything you know about the Bible and the book of Romans and Paul and everything. Just dust it off again. 
And that's what people had been hearing all the time. There's a, a Savior was born, a Savior born. And then Paul, very, hmm. Not malicious, brave, very bravely, writes, I have good news about Jesus Christ. What is it saying? Don't buy into this Savior. Buy into this Savior. Here's the guy. Now, by now, Jesus is gone. So it's more than him per se. It is his way of life and his message and all that we'll get into. But don't buy into Caesar. Buy into Jesus. That's how we're going to fix these problems. Deceptively, the... You learned this in school about the Pax Romana. Like there was 200 years of, of relative peace on earth. And so, but the problem was the peace came at the price of a what? Of a sword and a crucifixion. They just intimidated. They just killed you. If you just disagree with it, they would just kill you. And so it brought this artificial conformity. Just loaded with slaves. They just went out and just, just dominated people. And Paul says, I got a new idea, and I want to come to Rome and share it with you. Paul had not yet been to Rome. He was dying to get there. He writes about it. You can read it later today. He writes about it. He goes, I'm just, I want you to know that I've tried many times to get there. It wasn't the airlines. Uh, Paul had kind of a rough life, you know what I mean? Tough schedule. And he was prevented time and time again, but he really wanted to get there so bad. He says, I I want you to know it's not for trying. I'm trying and I'm going to get there one day. But in the meantime, I want you to have this letter about the good announcement of Jesus in contrast to Caesar. By the 16th verse, this is what Every scholar would tell you this is the theme of this entire letter. I am not ashamed of the good announcement, the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So, gospel, good announcement. What Paul was doing first was he was announcing Jesus instead of Caesar. Um, can get you in a little trouble in those days. A little risky. A little risky. Paul nonetheless believed this message and said, I'm not ashamed, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say it. I know I've heard people quote that today as if, you know, they're really macho because they, what, whatever. What Paul did by standing up to Caesar, I'm not ashamed, I'll do it. I, I will state it. Then he says, it's the power of God. How, how could God change the world? How could God fix the mess? How could that happen? How could it happen then? And how could it happen today? He says, it's the power of God. It's an explosive, me- the, the word power means dynamite, dunamis, I have an explosive message to bring you. This is a game changer. This is a bombshell. The power of God for the salvation 
This is the second word I want to explain to you today. It's a very simple day, gospel and salvation. Two of the oldest words for churchgoers, but maybe some ways, some of that have gotten so caked over that we need to pull them back a little bit. Salvation. Well, salvation. I know that, Chris. Thank you for, I know that. That means we go to heaven when we die. It doesn't mean that. Not that you won't. Um, a, fr- a friend, we were at a wedding last night and a friend of mine shared this with me because I think this is the modern understanding of how it all works. We stand before the pearly gates, you might know this, and there's St. Peter, who's heard it? Who's heard it? Okay, I think, do we have it? St. Peter or the pearly gates or? No. There he is. It, it takes a while in the back. I get it. You guys are, that's why you're sitting back there. But we, and there's a million others, but they're all some version of this, that this is what salvation is. You get to go past that little podium. It's a nice little podium, but you get to come in. That's what salvation is. And we, we could talk, I did eight weeks on heaven years ago. We'll do another one on heaven. I, I'm all for heaven. I'm all for it. Um, the older I get, the more I'm for it. <laughs> Anybody with me? All right. But, and, and so I'm all about, but that's not what this means. That's not exactly what this means. Because it means back to the, the with, he's going to save us. Caesar's the savior of the world. They, they weren't talking about Caesar's going to take us to heaven when we die. He's like, he's the guy that can fix this. Rescue is another good word. Anybody ever been called to clean up someone else's mess? I mean, um, I'll, just, I'll just brag on my wife for a minute because she's a, she's a heck of a builder. And, you know, she's a, a female and, and, and not currently, you know, serving in that role. She's been wonderfully blessing the church with her talents. But she worked in the construction industry for, you know, 30 years. And oftentimes, as the manager, right, someone screws it up. And then you got to come in and what? Fix this mess. Oh, this was done wrong. This was started. This shouldn't have been happening. And, and uh, uh, they needed someone to fix the mess. And we're going to dive into the mess. That's, that's the, the first and second chapters are the mess. Um, by the way, the first thing you're going to want to do is, I know. Look at look what these people have done. And the first thing that Paul does is just cuts you off at the knees. I, I, I warned you. Yeah, those pagans, that's the problem. And Paul goes, yep. And then he goes, and equally are moi? I couldn't be a part of the problem. I'm me. He says, these people who've turned their backs on God spiraled our world into downward darkness. Yes. These people stuck in and religion that's become useless and worthless, equally a part of the, you can read it, it's all there. We need solutions. But it was to save the world. That the world that God made was good. And The prayer that Jesus taught was not, God, take us to heaven when we die. It was this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. 
Salvation is not from the earth. Salvation is for the earth. God isn't. I'm going to fix this. And guess who's going to be a part of it? You. Because after we lay the foundation, we're going to get to the instructions, and you're part of the solution. Guess what? You're also part of the problem. But you, you're... You're moving from the problem side to the solution side. That's what spiritual growth is really all about. That's what it's about. I mean, there's a few people that will get up here and tell you a superhero story that they were the devil and now they're an angel. The reality is we're all kind of a little mixture of that. Huh? We're just squeezing the devil out. We're squeezing the dark out of us and we're allowing the light to move in more and more. I mean, come on, don't play games with me because we get to Romans chapter 7 and Paul's going to tell you what a moron he's been. And then he's going to tell you what a moron he still is as of the writing of that letter. Anybody ever get frustrated with yourself? Chapter 7. He's going to talk about the ultimate frustration with himself. In other words, we're going to, our spiritual growth is us moving from the the problem side of the ledger to the solution side of the ledger. I am out of time. Um, did you know? I forget the guy's name who ran the first marathon. The 500 years, 490 years before Christ, the first guy that ran a quote marathon, or the marathons are named after this run. The Persians invaded the Greeks, and, and uh, like uh, almost miraculously, the Greeks staved them off. And they had to get news out. They had to get it out to everybody so that people didn't surrender unnecessarily. And, you know, it's very vital that this message gets to people. And so a guy takes off running from a place called Marathon all the way to Athens, and he runs about 25 miles. I don't know if anyone had a tape that it was 26.2, but... And as the story goes, he delivered the message, we survived, we're alive, we won. That is some vital good news. And then he died. And I thought, that's what I want my life to be. Just give it everything. I tried to explain to you what is the good news now I want to say, in the closing, it's our privilege to share it, to sprint with it. I get people have already heard it before. We might have to do a little more living than talking. Uh, who was it? Was it, uh, was it St. Francis? Somebody who said, you know, preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. I think probably a lot more living it than chatting it would do, but nonetheless, that marathon run, that was an announcement of good news. Paul can't wait to get to Rome, and you know, when you get to the end of the letter, because it's a letter, it has some interesting details in there. Do you know what he wants from him? He wants, he says, I want to share something with you, and I want you to share with me, but you know what he also wanted? Some money, so he could take the good news to Spain. 
Paul was putting his life on the line for it. Because it but, but if you could support me, I got to take it even further. I got to keep this, the marathon going. That's our privilege to share with our, our world really needs some good news. You can find bad news everywhere, but we really need some good news. We're going to, uh, Ken's going to come up here, we're going to have a closing prayer, and it's, it's timely, you know, today's 9-11, but then I, I got a phone call this morning, I, I don't know any details, but one of our parishioners is involved with the city of Wall Lake, that there was a double murder and so could you please pray for the city? And as you know, this is a, the Wall Lake itself is a very small community. Our world needs this message. We've got to dust off the letter. Rebuild the foundation. Share the good news.